Hey friends, you ever feel like there's not enough space in your life for the Lord? Wouldn't it be great if there was a practice that you could learn to help you slow down and pay more attention to Him? Our guest today says Lectio Divina is that practice, and she tells us how to do it. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 318, Jody Nisnik and Creating Space for God. Hey friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm so glad that you are here. This conversation is going to be a great one. Friends, if you're listening to the show, which obviously if you hear my voice, you are, would you uh, just do me one favor? The best compliment you can give the show is to send it to, to a friend, whether text, email, go to the um, Overcast app. You can grab a clip, which I think is super cool. There's a particular part you like, grab it, text it to a friend. That helps a lot. Share it on social. We'd love that. And of course, if you're able and you'd like to help see the show keep going, you can go to halfwaytherepodcast.com. Hit that Patreon button. That does mean so much to us. Help us helps us keep the show uh, going and cover all those expenses. People don't know podcasting can be expensive, and this is what I do. People keep asking me that, so I'll just let you know. This, this is what I do, along with helping a bunch of other people with their Christian podcasts as well. All right, let's get into it because I'm excited to have this conversation. Our guest, she's been in vocational ministry for over 12 years, and her calling and passion is to equip people to create space for God in their lives. And you know I love that because that is something that resonates with me a lot and help them take the next step with Jesus, which is super powerful and important. We all need that, right? So she she writes, she teaches, and she has a scripture meditation podcast. So I can't wait to hear about how that came about and how that all works. Our guest is Jody Nisnik. Jody, welcome to Halfway There. Hey, Eric. It's so good to be here. I am so excited to talk with you. We got to meet in person. I know we've been connected online for a little bit, but we got to meet in person at Dallas. I've been at a podcast movement. That was awesome. Yeah, it was fun. I was like, I want to have coffee with you. So, and you were awesome. <laughs> You're like, yes, let's do it. So it was that's, super fun to just hear your story too. Well, that's why I go to those things. And what was great, um, uh, my first impression was we were, I was talking uh, at the, at the pre pre-meeting and I was talking about Lectio Divina and you're just like, yes, yes. And not many people get, get that, but that's what you do with your podcast, right? That's right. Yeah. I am very passionate about Lectio Divina. And so it was super fun when you said that I was like, okay, yeah, we definitely have to talk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, I think one of the key uh, practices that mm. at a certain point in the journey, you need to learn it because it just, it's prayer in a different way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lectio Divina dates back to, well, it's credited to a sixth century monk, St. Benedict of Nursa. Um, I don't know much about him except for that he did this prayer practice of praying scripture. Uh, and what it is, is if you're not familiar with Lectio Divina, you, you have a small passage of scripture, just a couple of verses and you read it multiple times, invite the spirit in, ask him to help you notice what he wants you to notice. And then you have a conversation with the Lord about it. And so it's a very uh, slow, meditative and Holy Spirit driven way to read the word. Absolutely. It's kind of the opposite of inductive Bible study, right? It like, is. <laughs> which is okay. You know, I'm a Bible nerd. I don't know if you can see in my books here, mm -hmm. I, I, you know. My kids all have Bible names, right? Because, because that's the kind of Bible nerd I am. But 
I'm so I'm all for doing those things, breaking down the the text and doing all that. It's great, uh, but it's not the only practice that. We yeah, have. well, and in fact, I'm I'm also a huge Bible nerd. You don't get to see my books behind me because I'm not <laughs> in my library, but I do uh, love to study God's word, and I actually think Lectio Divina is best when you also study God's word, because then you can understand the passage in its right context. I think one of the dangers, and sometimes I hear the uh, feedback from people that are a little nervous about this practice is that, oh, well, you could rip scripture out of context. Yep. And you can also rip scripture out of context when you're doing Bible study. So, uh, but I do love to study God's word because I think it gives us really good guardrails when we do a process like Lectio Divina. Well said. Well said. We're not going to mention all the thousands of sermons that are preached every Sunday, right. taking scripture out of context Ooh, and application. No. So we, we'll just we'll let, let that go. All right. So, Jody, thank you. That's great. So I'm, I know we'll have a good conversation. I'm sure we'll dive into this more as we get uh, back into your podcast in a little bit. But you didn't start there. So I want to go back into your into your journey and just lead lead us up to here. So um, you now, where did you grow up and what was that? What was that like? So I was born and mostly raised in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I was not raised in a Christian home. Yet it was a good home. It wasn't. It wasn't a terrible home. <laughs> um, but we did. But I was not taught about God really in, in in any significant way. And my parents got divorced when I was young. My mom and my sister and I moved to Michigan, and so then I went to high school in Michigan. And it was between the summer that we moved from Georgia to Michigan that I went to summer camp in North Carolina, and that's where the gospel was shared with me. And I longed for it. I mm. I had that God-shaped vacuum in my soul, and already at 13, I just knew something was missing. So as soon as the gospel was preached to me, I, I actually didn't need to hear it twice, and I knew that that, that was... I knew it was true. I knew I wanted it. I knew I wanted Jesus to be a part of my life. So that was the beginning of my Christian journey. But then going home, you know, pre-internet, <laughs> no Bibles, no access to a Bible, no access to scripture. So really God became what I thought he should be, uh, which was a very distorted version of God because as a, you know, I felt like, well, God was very disappointed in me. He, you know, he's kind of this angry judge mad father figure. And I was constantly going back to him, you know, please take me back. Please forgive me. I'll do better. And so that was my, the beginning of my relationship with God, which is really sad now, as I look back on it, because Mm -hmm. that's not at all who I believe God is or who I believe scripture tells us God is. And so it took me until I was a freshman in college to really start understanding who God is and how much he loves me. And then even after I was married, when we moved to Texas, so that's where we are now, um, it was there that a pastor really started to teach me how to put scripture together, the Old Testament and the New Testament, how to understand God's grace and to see it all over. And then that was when I really started to understand, oh, he is not the figment that I've come up with this angry, you know, judge, he is a loving father and he's, he's delighted in me. Uh, he does, you know, he wants me to live in the ways that the spirit empowers us to live, but 
he's not every time I make a mistake, you know, shaking his head and wagging his finger at me. He's, um, you know, wants to embrace me and love me and invite me to do it differently. Okay. So that's quite the, quite the journey. So we got to dive into a couple of pieces there. So interesting that you, you went up to Michigan and you didn't have any discipleship at all. Like, did you try to go to church or do you just were like, yeah, well, young life. So young life was, was somewhat of a discipleship for me. And, and I, I did start to learn some things about God in young life, but, and I did own a Bible. I, they, I did get my hands on a Bible at that point. Um, but you know, I just, it was just a, a few moments here and there in my week. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. So you did have some kind of Christian community and kind of, mm-hmm. uh, doing that, but yeah, that's interesting. Were there any inflection points as you were, as you were going through that process between there and, and when you moved to Texas that were kind of things that were stood out to you as a, something you learned about God or you learned like maybe there were cracks or something in that, in your view of him? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I, I just did not understand grace. So my whole Christian experience uh, up until college was very performance driven and I was constantly Mm. failing. So there was a lot of stress and pressure that was on me internally to do better, perform better, act better, um, be better. And so when I got to, I went to the university of Rochester for one year, and then I wound up transferring after that year. But when I was there, I remember this very distinct moment, walking across campus, looking at this library and, you know, you're 19 years old and, and, and you think, you know, everything at this point, and I'm looking at this library and thinking, all the knowledge of the world is in there, which is ridiculous. But that was my thought. And I thought, well, if God's real, I'm going to have to prove it because now I have all this knowledge at my fingertips. And so I did have a bit of a crisis of faith there where I decided I'm going to go back to doing things on my own. And so that didn't lead me anywhere good. (laughs) Uh, And it, and turning my back on God uh, actually led to a lot of distress in my life. And in God's grace, my heart turned against, I actually went to uh, the University of Rochester on a scholarship to study physics. And all of a sudden I was there and nothing made sense to me anymore. Physics did not make sense to me anymore. I could not figure it out. And it was frustrating. It was the first time in my life I I couldn't make sense of something. And so I decided, well, I'm not going to do this. So now I want to be a broadcast journalist because if I can't be a <laughs> physics teacher, I want to be Katie Couric. So uh, I, yeah. well, guess what? University of Rochester doesn't have a journalism degree. So that's when I transferred, I actually transferred to the University of Colorado in Boulder oh, and yeah. wound up finishing school there. But So that was definitely a crisis of faith for me. And interestingly, going to the University of Colorado and Boulder, if any of you have ever been to Boulder, you know, it is incredibly (laughs) secular, full of all kinds of alternative ways of living and believing. And it was there that I really found deep Christian community. And I really Mm. started to understand scripture for the first time. And I, I really wanted to walk, uh, as a believer 
more fully. Yeah, which is so fascinating, isn't it? I think Christianity thrives in some ways that um, we don't expect when it's not the only thing, Mm -hmm. right? When When it's part of a more pluralistic culture, it presents a much better um, view of what life could and, sh- and should be. Yeah. When you have to make a choice, when the choice isn't made for you, or it's just not the cultural thing to do, when you have to actually choose to be a little different than what the surrounding community or a lot different than what the surrounding community is, there's something that uh, makes it more uh, real I don't even know if that's the right word. It just, it, it drives it deeper into our soul because we're taking a stand for something right. we're, we're, ha- because when people would say, well, why aren't you doing X, Y, or Z? I would have to say who I was and why I was making the choices. That takes a lot of courage to do that. And to get that courage, you need to actually really believe what you're saying. So that was for me, the best thing, the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. And so that's when you finally started getting into scripture and getting into that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I started attending a great church in Colorado and, uh, was in a, with a really vibrant college ministry, small group Bible studies. And so really just starting to, um, see other people who were really living as believers, reading God's word because they wanted to know him And so it wasn't this performance-based living. It was the inside out living that started to be shown to me, oh, we're we're living differently because of actually what God has done inside of us, not to try and prove ourselves to God. So that started to flip over and become different in my life. And I knew I wanted, I just wanted more and more of it. It was one of those moments where you're just it's insatiable. You know, I want to know more about who God is. I want to know more about his word. I want to know more about who he's made me to be. So all of those things just started converging together in a really beautiful and obviously transformative way, because that's what God does. Right. Well, I love those moments because that those are the ones and you've reminded me like in that season, it can be like that where you just soak it all up, right? You're at the church all the time you're, you know, it's different than being there because you feel like you have to be, but you're there to learn, study, fellowship, and do all those, all those things. And you're really soaking it in, which is really delightful, but that doesn't always last forever, does it? It's a season. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would say it usually doesn't last forever. I think we get into a rhythm that, okay, that's normal now. And so I think it, starts to kind of, you know, flow back down into, okay, I've, I know these things now, and this is just who I am. And so I think we, you know, it's, I've said before as an adult, so there's something so beautiful about becoming a believer very young and really not knowing life without God yeah. or the spirit. And even for me becoming a believer at 13, I do remember what life was like before the spirit had really become a part of my journey. But I think sometimes we just get very accustomed to the fact that the spirit indwells us and it just starts to feel normal instead of miraculous and 
you know, holy and, and, and bringing the awe forward that it should in our lives. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Okay. So you find Christian community, you're, you're soaking it in. Uh, How did you end up in ministry? Like how did that, how that happen? Yeah. So I got married and my husband and I moved to Colorado because he had gotten a job here. I'm sorry. We moved from Colorado to Texas because he had gotten a job in Texas. And, uh, there we started attending a church, like I had said earlier, where the pastor really started under unpacking, understanding the old Testament in light of the new Testament, really helping to understand the difference between the law and the grace and how those fit together. And just, so I started to understand this and I started to think to myself, why doesn't everybody know this is true about our God? (laughs) And I just kept volunteering at the church and being invited into more leadership. And one day I was at a, a, a networking event and I was sitting around a table with some other Christians. And it was one of those near audible moments from the Lord when I felt him say, you need to go to seminary. And I literally looked around the table and I thought, think you missed. I think that was for somebody else. I don't think that's for me. I don't have any desire to go get a master's. I don't have any desire to go back to school. At this point, we had two children, a first grader and a daughter getting ready to enter kindergarten. Like that was not on the radar. What was on the radar was actually getting a job because 9-11 had just happened. My husband worked for the airline industry. We just had a huge pay cut. We were, we were trying to figure out how we were actually going to close the gap on bills. So that was what was on the radar is me getting a job, not me spending money to go get a master's degree. And, but then the Lord was very clear and it was just really kind. The kindness of God just kept reiterating it through different voices and through providing the resources that we needed. So it was truly miraculous. So I started seminary. Yeah. You went to Dallas? I did. I went to Dallas, Dallas right? Theological Seminary. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. So seminary, speaking from experience, can be an interesting time, right? So uh, it can definitely uh, challenge. It can be a lot of great growth. What was your experience there? All of that. I think it yeah. it can challenge and it can be a lot of great growth. It was so helpful for me. One of the gifts that I had was doing a two-year degree over six years. So I got to go nice. slow. And I got to actually read all the pages that were assigned to me and write all the papers thoughtfully that were assigned to me. But the downside of it is, as you probably know, uh, when God becomes an academic endeavor, it is hard on our soul. It is hard on our relationship with God. At least it was for me. And so I just always had a theology book in my hands. I was always writing something. I was always doing deep dives. And so it was an incredible privilege. And I know that, and I know so many people just don't get the privilege of doing that. And yet at the same time, when I was done and when I graduated, I was worn out. I was, I, I, I didn't want to pick up my Bible anymore. I was just, I was just tired. I was tired of studying God. I wanted to rest in him and experience him. And that's, that was what I needed. And that's ultimately what led me to 
this mm. spiritual discipline of Lectio Divina because it helped me slow down and actually not treat my Bible as a checklist yeah. to read and do, but actually an ex- a, a, an encounter, an experience, a, a, just a place to hear God's truth and and to let that connect deeply with my soul. Yeah. All right. I need to say one thing. I find it really fascinating that you went to school uh, and you took your time with that degree, which is great. Like mm-hmm. that's really important. And so, but it takes, you kind of stretches it out and you were reading and doing all these things. And then I think about all the guys. I also, I took nine years to get a three-year degree, right? So at three, three years I took off, three years, two kids, one dark night of the soul. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, but, but so I, I understand that, but I knew so many people in two different schools that rushed through their master divinity. They either had no biblical training before and they're doing that, all of that, all the theology, all the things, maybe they got a little counseling <laughs> training, who knows? And, then immediately from all that went into a job mm-hmm. at, at a church somewhere. I cannot imagine what that was like. Well, I did do that. Okay. <laughs> Even though I was tired, I was hired as a pastor about uh, six to nine months before I actually graduated. Okay. And it was good. And yet I I entered that season kind of on fumes. And, and it was, it was really hard. And in fact, that was another moment in my life where I, I had two, you know, middle, they were, I guess, in middle school and late elementary school at this point, daughters, and I was finishing school. So I was also doing my coursework and I had started working full time. And so I'm trying to, and you know, and I've been given this title which is so weighty to me to be called a pastor. And I, I, I nearly burned out very, very close. It was, it was a very hard season. Yeah. So talk to me about that because, but it's one of my hobby horses because I really, you know, we've had this conversation about the spiritual journey, about the dark night of the soul, but we could talk, we could call it burnout. That's part of it. Right. But that's so, it's a time when you need care, not when you need to be giving care. Right. right? It's like, it's like a nurse. I just went to Gettysburg. It's like a nurse at a battlefield who gets hurt. Right. Like she can't, she can't give, give the care. And so that sets up all kinds of disaster. Hopefully it wasn't disaster for you, but it, it absolutely is not a good situation to be in. No. And I think, uh, I, so I a hundred percent agree with that. And yet it's this way we've set things up that you go get this vocational training in seminary to work in ministry. And then you are expected to start go producing in that vocation right away. And so I, I see that there's a lot of pressure because I mean, there's also just the reality of bills to pay. And so, and families to support and people depending on you. And so you are moved into this place probably before you're ready for it. Uh, and yet, of course, not everybody is in that same situation. 
I'm sure there are some people that come out of it just on fire and ready to go and super healthy. So I don't want to like give a, a blanket statement that my experience or your experience is everyone's experience, but I do suspect that a lot of people feel that way. And for me, it really was a transformative experience. It was another one of those moments that God used in my life to help me see I had to slow down or I was going to, I, I was not going to make it long-term doing any kind of work in ministry mm. that I felt he had called me for. And now I felt equipped for. And so what was helpful for me then is to also look around and see, oh, it's not just me. It's everyone else. God calls us to a life that fits within the boundaries of how he's created us, that rhythm of work and rest, that rhythm of sleeping well at night and having space to take care of ourselves and having space to enjoy our families and having space to enjoy life that, and do the meaningful work he's called us to. It's not, it's not one or the other. There had to be a balance. And that was what that experience taught me. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. All right. So the reason I bring it up, uh, partly because it was your experience, but also friends in case you ever find yourself on a pastoral hiring committee, (laughs) (laughs) I want you to ask those questions. I want you to ask the question, are you rested enough for this? What's your, be care. It's one thing for people to have the qualifications. It's one thing for them to have a good speaking ability or the ability to teach. All those things are important. Character also matters, which means being honest about where you are in your, in your being. Right. So, but somebody has got to ask the question and maybe it's you. So just, just tuck that away. And maybe someday you'll find yourself on a committee and you'll, and you'll ask it and you'll save your church a lot of heartache and maybe somebody else. Right. Which is really important. Okay. So you said that that led you to the sort of spiritual formation side. What, how'd you discover? How'd you, how'd you find? Yeah. So right after I started, there's a really beautiful ministry called listen to my life. And it's based out of, um, Chicago, Yeah, uh, two women, Sybil Towner and Sharon swing have created- Sharon's been on the show. Has she? Okay. Sharon's yeah. awesome. Sybil's amazing too. You should have Sybil on the show for sure. I should. She is a wealth of just deep wisdom. And they have created this life mapping system. They were our retreat speakers at our women's retreat that I was now charged with coordinating and doing all of the things for because I was on the women's pastoral team. And they did a Lectio Divina practice. And I was like, whoa, I had never experienced or seen something like that before. And it was just, I don't know. It was, it just, it blew me away to hear God speak to me through his word. And not that he hadn't spoken to me through his word when I study his word. I mean, there were many times when he did that, but to just have it become so deeply personal that the living and active word was colliding with my living life. And it was a passage I knew. And all of a sudden it was new And I just felt the spirit move and it was just this really beautiful experience. So that was my first experience with Lectio. And then somebody gave me a book by Ruth Haley Barton 
And I then just started getting more information from her and she was practicing spiritual disciplines and her book, strengthening the soul of your leadership was about, it it just mimicked my own life. It was about her journey Mm. of nearly hitting the wall of this frenetic pace of ministry. And then realizing that was not how God called her to live. And it was, she, she was being invited into a different way of living. And so she had started doing these practices, these spiritual practices. And one of them is Lectio Divina. So then I've heard about it from her. And one of the things that I started doing and became really passionate about was helping the women in the women's ministry at the church I was at start to experience these spiritual disciplines. And so then I was able to, with a group of, uh, you know, a couple hundred women lead a live Lectio Divina experience. And that is one of the most amazing, powerful things to do because we're all sitting there. We're all hearing the same passage read over us. And then God shows up and he has something different for every single one of us, still true to the integrity of his word. But because we are all different people with different stories and different places in our lives, the spirit has something he wants to teach us. And that then became just this beautiful experience. And I realized, oh, I want to help people experience this. I want to help people create space for God in their lives to slow down and contemplate his word, to meditate on his word. I know people get a little weird about the word meditation, but that is God's word. It is in Psalm one (laughs) that we are to meditate on his word, (laughs) meditate on the law, uh, which is the word of God. And so it's, this is, this is God's practice that he's given us to just slowly contemplate and think through his words and let them sink deeply into our soul so that uh, we know him better. And so that we become more of the people that he's created us to be. So that was my experience. Absolutely. Well, I love that. Um, for me, it was, and I'll come back, I'll come back in just a second. For me, it was, I taught on Romans uh, eight uh, for Sunday school or something. And which at the time, like we were doing it on in Sunday school and then we were going, the pastor's preaching it in church. I don't know. I feel bad for those people because they had to listen to me too. But anyway, <laughs> but I couldn't after that get it out of my mind. Mm. Right. I, I found myself returning to Romans 8 over and over and over again. And it wasn't until I met with a Jesuit uh, priest at Sacred Heart that uh, I realized what I was actually doing was like you. And he explained to me the process. I was like, oh, I was, I've been doing that. I just didn't know I was doing that. But it, for, I had to, it had very similar effects, which was to go, oh, uh, actually, instead of the large swaths of Scripture, which I love, there's a time and a place for that, small sections, asking the Lord what he has to say, letting it come up. I, I like to say, just put it in your metaphorical pipe, right? And just let it, <laughs> let, just, just, just let it, let it do a slow burn there for a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's a different, it's a different way of approaching it. It's a really, really valuable thing. And I, I love the point that you made. And I, and I just would ask you to like, just expand on this a little bit because this is where people get scared, right? It's not that we're creating new truths, right? It's that we're mm-hmm. letting the Lord apply scripture to us and our life and where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. 
one of the passages, so as an illustration, one of the passages that the Lord has had me stuck in is Psalm 37. And it's not one of the, you know, big famous Psalms, but it is beautiful. And I have felt convicted that I need to actually start memorizing it. But what it, I'll just give you a few verses and then I'll tell you how the Lord has driven this deep into my soul through the process of meditation, Lectio, and now memorization, which is taking it even deeper into me. But it basically, it says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and he will do this. And then it goes on and says some other things. But where the Lord is taking that deep into my heart is, Jody, do not worry what other people are doing. Do not be envious of those who are doing wrong because it looks like they're succeeding. Mm -hmm. What are you supposed to do? You are to trust in me. So what does that mean in my life right now? How am I supposed to trust him? I guarantee the way I am being called to trust him is different than how you are. It's different than how anybody listening is. And that's where that is a truth of God's word that is true. <laughs> and yet it will mean something different to all of us. It still holds to the integrity of God's word. It holds to the integrity of God's character, but it means something different. So for me to trust in the Lord and do good, he's telling me, keep your eyes on me, do the work I have called you to do. That's the good work you're supposed to do. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That is a scripture that gets taken out of context all the time. And yet when you read it in context, you start to see, oh, when I delight myself in the Lord, the desires of my heart become your desires. And that's when you give me the desires of my heart. So that's, that's a way to illustrate for yeah. me what, how that, how that plays out. Right. So is that something that anybody can learn? Yeah. So, I mean, it's the Lectio Divina process is not hard. Um, of course, listen to the podcast. It, I read, I do a Lectio every week on my podcast where I am reading scripture over you, giving you space to reflect on it. The whole process of Lectio is really just four steps and you can either do it by listening or you can do it by reading. It's a small passage of scripture. You read it once just to familiarize yourself with it. You read it a second time and, and ask the spirit, Lord, what do you want me to notice today? You read it a third time after you've noticed whatever that word or phrase, and sometimes it's an idea, whatever you've noticed, you read it that third time and you say, okay, now what is it that you want me to know about this? So then you read it that third time and the spirit will bring something to mind because he's good that way. <laughs> and his word is alive and he's alive and he's in you. And, and then you, you have a conversation with the Lord. And sometimes there's a sin that's been revealed. Sometimes there's a step of trust you need to take. Sometimes it's just a, a, a truth you need to remember. It's a, a time of worship that it sets up. It could be anything that the spirit leads you to. And you have an honest dialogue with the Lord. And then you read it one last time and you just rest. You rest in his goodness and his faithfulness. You rest in his love. So even if you feel like you've been really convicted by something, 
uh, like, you know, in that Psalm 37, like I have not been trusting the Lord with my life and I need to repent and I need to lay that before him. And I may, my flesh may want to feel guilt and shame. And that's why you read this last time resting in his love, resting in his goodness, resting in who you are, resting in what Christ has done for us. And so that's the process. It's very simple. It's, and, and it's a beautiful process to do. Yeah. And I really love the way that your podcast uh, teaches people to do that. You go through it and you kind of lead them through the practice, uh, which is, is really beautiful. Uh, so tell us about why you started it and kind of what that's like in a recorded format. Well, I started it because as I was saying earlier, we were doing this in a group setting at church and I was doing it with women and I was doing it with mixed groups at the church men and women being mixed groups. <laughs> and, uh, and what I had is people coming to me saying, so where can I do this? Where can I hear God's word read to me again? Mm -hmm. Because Lectio really is, it is nice to have it read to you because you experience the word differently when it's being spoken versus when we're just reading it into ourselves. And so if you're reading it for yourself, when I'm doing the Lectio process on my own, I, I read out loud to myself, or I go to an audio Bible, or uh, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. So for me, I just, it was a little bit of this sacred echo of God saying, I want you to do this. I want more people to experience it. And podcasting is such a great way to do that. And so that was how it came about. The other part of my podcast though, is the interview or the conversation with someone around the passage or around an idea that comes out of that passage. And the reason I wanted to do that is because you've just had an experience with God's word and it, it became alive for you and, or, or maybe it didn't, you know, I mean, cause sometimes we, we read God's mm -hmm. word and God feels distant to us. I mean, that's also true. And so that can also be our experience. And so I wanted to have this conversation so that people could hear how God is moving in other people's lives. Cause sometimes we need to hear that to encourage us to keep going. But also if we did hear God and it did feel powerful to us to also get this affirmation that he's doing it in other people's lives. And so the podcast is really two parts, the Lectio, but then also a conversation around the passage that we experienced. Yeah, I love that too. And I think what you're touching on right there is the power of podcasting. It's one of the things I wanted to do with my show as well. The reason we talk about uh, the whole spiritual journey is because uh, I didn't hear anybody else talking about the whole spiritual journey, right? Yeah. And we needed somebody to do it. And so I said, okay, well, I can do that uh, because I want people to know that at the other end, there's, there's, there is an end to the desert at some point it comes, it comes to an end. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, yeah, you might have a great experience. You might not have a great experience, but do it again. Right. Because yeah. there's maybe there's more love it. Okay. Uh, so with that, I need to ask you about dark, uh, dark night of the soul. Did you, have you been through something like that? Maybe, maybe that was the, the season of burnout, but maybe, maybe there's something else. Yeah, no, I, I would say mine has actually been more recent. Um, well, I mean, I, <laughs> I feel like there's a couple, but <laughs> yeah, but this one that I went through recently that actually led me to move away from working at the church, um, was just a really heavy season of 
learning about who I am and how God's created me, learning about other people, learning about, um, it just, it felt like God took some of the things that perhaps I was trying to not identify myself with, but had still become my identity and Mm. wanting to take those away so that he would truly be the only identity I had. Um, so that's, that's a little vague maybe, but I did go through this season recently and it has led me to a place of living in a healthy rhythm with him, uh, living in a healthy rhythm with my family and the people I love and friends that are trustworthy and true and really accepting those things versus trying to fill in places of either loneliness or wanting significance or worth with other things. What's your experience with God in those seasons? Because if you're, you know, if you're, when, or that and then also the identity question, right? Because I think one of those key things that we do that the dark night does is it takes away those identities that we, that you kind of referred to that we kind of think we have to be and we have to have, and then God gives us new ones. So what yeah. was, what was that like for you? Well, uh, the identity question, well, the whole experience with God, I'll back up and say this, uh, I never doubted God. I never doubted his love for me. Some of the things I experiencing, I experienced felt very unjust and, um, and caused deep pain, which is probably why God has even a year and a half plus later had me meditating on Psalm 37, which is all about, don't, don't worry about all the other things. Cause I'm God and I've got it. I want you to worry about you. I want you to do the work I've called you to do. So I thankfully in my dark night, I did not feel like God was silent. I did not feel like he was distant. Mm. I felt like he was very present with me. He was carrying me through. I remember I would wake up though. And I would think, when am I going to wake up and just feel normal again? I think anytime you go through a really painful or traumatic experience where, where things get ripped away from you, uh, you know, unexpected things start happening in your life. Things that you could not imagine happen, start to happen. Uh, it, it, you just wonder, is there, is there a return to normalcy? And there's not necessarily, there's not a return. There's not a return, but there is a new normal that mm-hmm. comes a new space of knowing who you are, a, a new confidence in the callings that you've received. But the Lord really, in the identity piece, stripped away so much for me. You know, I don't have the title pastor anymore. And yet what God has said to me is the church never held your calling, Jody. I always held your calling. So you are not. So title or no title, you you are called to still do the you know, use your gifts to love your neighbor, to serve the community around you, to, to teach my word to people who need the truth spoken over them. Those things don't change. And yet what it's been is it's been moving back into a quiet space because 
you know, when you're at a large church and you're able to teach people his word, you're able to stand in front of a live audience of, you know, a couple hundred, even more people and that gets taken away and that feels disruptive in our lives. And yet what God is showing me is that was never, that was never the mission. That was never where I was taking you. It's not about that. It's about me and you, and it's about the depth of our relationship so that you can then turn around and give that away. And if that's to one person, it's to one person. If that's a strategic conversation with my neighbor, that's what it is. Um, so that's, that's the journey. The identity has been flattened and in a very good way. And I have been reminded that my core was never in doubt. It was, I was always God's beloved mm. daughter. And that is, and that is the identity I have to cling to and operate out of no matter what comes one yeah. way or the other. No doubt that was really a beautiful way to describe it. Thank you for doing that. I think, um, you know, it's those, those can be hard, right? Those kind of identity things. But if you have that core of who you are as God's beloved, it's, it's okay to go through those other things, right? You'll, you'll make it out on the other side. Okay. Yes, you will. Well, I love it. Okay. You described your podcast for us. Uh, it's so much more creating space for God, right? Yes. And people can find that on Apple, Spotify, I'm guessing wherever they can get their podcast, you can find it. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah. The easiest place to find me is at jodynisnick.com. And of course, all the spellings are tricky. It's J-O-D-I-E, <laughs> which is different than how you spell your wife's name. So. Right, right. <laughs> J-O-D-I-E-N-I-Z-N-I-K. There you go. Great. And uh, that's, so that's good. And you have some resources and things for people there. Uh, you have a, a like your journal, friends, if you're interested in trying this, it'd be a great place to go check that out. Um, I love it. Jody. thanks for sharing a little bit of your story. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, you know, I, the thing I would want to leave you with is God wants to speak to you through his word and he wants to help you know him better. And, and he wants to lead you in love through his word. And so if your experience with God is feeling dry or academic, or you're feeling confused or... <laughs> any number of things, uh, just slow down and choose, choose a Psalm and just start reading it. Psalm 23 is a great one. People feel so comforted by Psalm 23. I did, um, for sure. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Just saying that over and over and over to yourself till you believe it. That's what I would want. That's what I would want to say. Yeah. Love that. That is fantastic. Thanks for being here, Jody. Guys, go check out Jody's website, jodymusic.com. Of course, as always, there are links to uh, her website and her podcast and all the resources that we mentioned here at halfway there, podcast.com. Thanks a lot, Jody. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Mm-hmm.